welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher and yoga business coach. I am so glad you're here. Enjoy 45 minutes of training for you and your yoga business. Hey folks, it's Amy McDonald here. Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast, where we are on a mission this week to talk all things leadership, leadership for us as spiritual practitioners, leadership for yoginis. And today we're going to talk more about what is feminine leadership and what does that mean. And don't worry, I'm here with Nicole. I'll mention her in just one second. But when we're talking about feminine leadership, this is not like a gender thing, gender, blah, so boring. We're just talking about encoded qualities. And I'm sure we're going to have a super great conversation today. I'd like to welcome my guest of the week, Nicole Valcamp, who is joining me from what seems to be sunny Miami. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's almost always sunny in Miami, but we have a rainy season. Yeah, but it's like warm, rainy, right? Yeah, it's tropical. <laughs> it's a nice place to be. It's a nice place to eat, too, yeah. Miami. I think so. I don't think, I, did, I never thought of that. <laughs> we don't really have like a national cuisine here. Um, so, but, so I like going to different places where they have, you know, more cultural influences in their food. And I think you live in one of those places. I do. We have lots of cultural influences down here for sure. Good. <laughs> All right. I so think. today let's, let's kick it off. We're talking about um, feminine leadership and folks, Nicole and I have been sort of talk, talking this topic over for a while now, and we've come up with some qualities that we think define what feminine leadership is and we want to share those with you because I'm so excited that I think for anybody who's feeling nervous about the idea of leadership and what that means if we think about it in terms of really emphasizing these feminine qualities in fact they align very much with what most of us desire to uh, embody as yogis as practitioners so good news there if you felt like something needed radical change in order to <clears throat> confidently step into more of a leadership role in your life and your business. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with those, but I thought maybe as a way for people who are jumping into the, um, this series at the midway point, Nicole, I thought maybe it might be an interesting way for, for your people to get to know me a bit more and for my people to get to know you a bit more. If we just chatted a bit about what our personal take is on feminine leadership and how that shows up for us and what we aspire to. Um, yeah, that sounds great. So, tell, well, I mean, what comes to mind for you first of all when we when we think about this idea of feminine leadership and how does it show up in your life? Oh, what a good question about feminine leadership. I think it's a. Uh, I see it a lot more on the micro than on the macro. I'll start with that. I feel mm -hmm. like at the at the more global level, feminine leaders are kind of expected to adopt a more masculine approach to leadership. Mm -hmm. But on a micro level, you know, teams that I've worked with, female managers that I've had, and kind of the way I try to be a leader, it seems to be much more inclusive mm -hmm. and um, softer. Not that it's less productive in any way or less efficient, but that there's more of an emphasis on the relationships that are being built as a part of the leadership process. You know, so mm. I think in our last episode we talked a little bit about uh, fear of being a becoming a dictator when you yes. become 
leader. <laughs> and that somehow being like one of the only paradigms of leadership, you know, that we have in our minds, like, well, if I'm the leader, then that means I have to be the dictator and people are going to become afraid of me and, you know, kind of going down that rabbit hole. And that's actually not what I see at all in, in the feminine leaders who I know. I do see it as being a very relationship-centered style of leadership where mm-hmm. it's really about the people on the team and that the, the more the relationship is strengthened, the more respect people have for the leader and the more they're willing to go along with them, you know, when maybe there's a decision that they don't like as much because of the relationship. And I think women are really good at doing that, really good at building relationships. What about you? Yeah, I think um, I agree. I mean, back in my corporate days, I vividly remember um, in my corporate days, and I had some amazingly inspiring leaders as role models in my life. And for the most part, they were men. And, <laughs> and the one in particular that really was uh, highly influential for me, um, demonstrating innovative leadership in my 20s, I mean, he was, he was a total egomaniac. He was a really weird guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, and, 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 and I didn't know better. Um, and at that time, you know, we were taught things like uh, in Melbourne, like if you wanted to get ahead as a corporate woman um, and, and move into leadership roles, you needed to do things like learn, you needed to follow the football. You needed to follow Aussie rules football because um, because that's what people talked about informally. Wait, like literally you had to watch football games. You had to watch it. You had to know what was going on. You had to know who was winning and all of that. And you needed to be able to comment on it because that was how people engaged with each other. Football is soccer, right? In America, just clarifying. Uh, no, it's like Australian football. It, oh, okay. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, not, it's, like a, it's not a round ball. But anyway, like that's about okay. as much as I know about it, honestly. And I was really like, I, I just remember thinking, oh, I, have no, like, I have no interest in sport, let alone a, a men's sport that's got a, at that time, a fair bit of lousy culture around it. But that was one of the, the tips to, you want to get ahead as a leader? This is one of the things you need to learn. And I also remember that same sort of era. I remember talking like, you know, the early noughties. It's not that prehistory. Being in a leadership, I had this expert come in to teach on leadership for women. And this woman, I mean, no, no, she, some of the teachings was you need to like, you need to wear makeup. If you don't wear makeup, you won't get ahead. And she also taught us you need to have, stockings a pencil skirt and pumps like that is if you want to be taken seriously as a feminine as a woman in leadership even Mm. if you don't like it this is what you have to wear and I just at the time I had a shaved head I was doing a lot of yoga I I aggressively rode my bicycle to work (laughs) (laughs) and I just remember thinking well this can't be for me because this is at odds with what I'm about yeah it took a while to identify role models who um who were women who I could really look up to. And even then, you know, just dawns on me now that these women that I I remember uh, one in particular, again, highly influential for me, but a great leader, very productive, highly regarded, inclusive, like you said, but what she didn't model for me was how to take good care of myself. You know, she would wake up in the middle of the night to work, to keep up. Um, She sort of threw food at her kids and then felt bad about it. Um, So, I don't, I think it's, I think it's, we're getting better at it, but like you and I've talked about sort of in preparation, I don't know if there's a whole lot of, I think you've got to look a little harder to get a, 
a good looking role model for, for, for feminine leadership and, and what that means. But I also wonder, you know, are we, maybe is it also a more feminine encoded attribute to be highly critical of ourselves and us and in so in, in that <laughs> are we not standing up to be role models for each other i mean this is a curious kind of spiraling question right it's a good that's a really good point a really good question is are we so i think women uh, are better at taking constructive criticism than men on the whole, in my experience, ah, you know, taking yep. feedback and receiving feedback of here's what could be done differently or here's what could be done better. Here's what you're doing well. Here's what you're doing not so well. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, my ballroom dance teacher told me the same thing yesterday. He said that when he teaches men, he's to be very, very careful about not damaging the ego, whereas with women, he can right away start saying to them, you know, shift your weight differently, move your hips differently. That you know, I'm taking ballroom dance classes in addition to my yoga practice. So, but he did mention, and I and I kind of agree with that. I mean, I know we're speaking in generalizations right now, but we kind yeah. of have to. And women, I think, always in my corporate career as well, I saw women taking feedback uh, very well, and men, you know, would argue more against whatever the feedback was. And so as women, if we're so quick to take feedback, are we maybe because we're receptive to the constructive criticism and always trying to better ourselves and work on ourselves, are we not stepping forward as leaders hmm. because we think, well, I still have so far to go. You know, I'm not yet. So I'm not yes. as, not as I'm not perfect. You know, this comes back to in our first episode, we talked about perfectionism. I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. Yes. So who am I to lead? Who am I to teach? I'm not ready. And we have this constant kind of I'm not ready narrative going on because we're taking in the feedback and the criticism and there's always going to be more we can improve, right? But at the same time, maybe we fail to recognize how much we do have to offer as leaders because we're so focused on how much we still have to improve. I, I, I hadn't drawn that connection at all. And hearing you say it, Yogini after Yogini pops into my mind women that I have met just in the past month who have such an incredible body of work and a passion and have innovated and created new things and, and they hold themselves back in their business and, and put, they don't put themselves forward to, to claim what they've earned and what they've created and what the world needs to receive from them. I think that's, and, and yet you see these, like I was talking to a, a, a he, he identified himself as a C grade yoga celebrity <laughs> earlier in the week. And, and he was, you know, whereas there's a lot of those guys who were just like, I'll grab every opportunity and I'll go for it. I'll put myself out there. I'll have my DVDs made. I'll get myself on a streaming channel. I'll, go crush it on Instagram or whatever. I'll really, I'll be all over the international teaching circuit where, and they don't have more or less, and it doesn't even matter experience or gifts. It's just the mindset of, I want to go out there and be a leader in this space. And it seems to be a lot more common for men to do that than women in the yoga. Absolutely. Industry. Yeah. I see that with my clients too. I, I have some male clients and they're, they're ready to be out there, you know, even with very little training or very little background in the space, yeah. they're just ready to enter head full, head first, you know, like the running bull, hit the ground running kind of. But women are oftentimes like, oh, I'm not ready. I, I still see where I need to do this work and do that work. And maybe I need this training. Yes. I'm addicted you know, to more training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To training, right. The, the endless need for training. 
And then, you know, it's like just one more training and I'll be ready. And we don't put ourselves out there and we take the, maybe we take in the criticism. We're, we're so focused on self-betterment, right? I mean, I sit yeah. in a lot of um, self-betterment, you know, groups and yep. discussions. Yep. I mean, we're always 80 to 90% women, right? I mean, yes. But clients in the therapy space and the coaching space, I mean, it's mostly women doing this work. And then at the, but at the same time, there's such a small percentage of the leaders in the space. So it's like, why, <laughs> if we're so focused on improving ourselves all the time, why aren't we stepping forward and just, you know, being open about, okay, yes, we still have this to work on, but we've come pretty far and men don't seem to have that hesitation, you know? Totally. And I really see it in the entrepreneur space. Like I'll go to this sort of entrepreneur networking sort of things and the men are like, yeah, I've got this amazing business and rah, rah, rah. And so they, and then they might ask me some questions and I'll say, you know, you know, I'm growing something. I've been working on it for a few years. Like I do this to myself and they're like, yeah, I've got like a thousand followers <laughs> on Instagram and I made $5,000 in the past quarter. And you know, thinking, man, I blew that out of the water. Why don't I back myself more here? I'm not looking to compete, but I'm still like this guy's, you know, confidently he's got that sort of, you know, like that beamer quality of I'm big and I'm here and I'm taking up space and I've got what it takes and I'm going to win. And I'm, yeah. you know, sort of holding back and being tentative. And right. I think, and, and so looping back to where we started, in doing that, arguably, I guess you could say that I potentially, and I don't mean to say to be egotistical here, but should there be people who are looking for role models that, that have the qualities that I have, they can't find me if I'm not actually putting myself out there. I can't be a role model if I'm hiding my own light under a bushel. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can't be, we can't be role models for other people if we don't put ourselves out there. They can't find us. And I think we also do ourselves a disservice thinking that there's still so much more that we have to achieve before we're ready instead of looking all that we already have achieved and giving ourselves the credit for that and you know, giving people the opportunity to learn what we've done, you know, to learn from us, to learn from both our triumphs and our challenge, you know, our challenges as well, what we still have to do. I think women are especially good at admitting more of their faults or more of their shortcomings than men are. And that can be beneficial for people in this space as well. You know, we want to learn from our shortcomings as well. We don't have to hide them um, or act like everything is perfect in order to be a leader. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think a leader who's perfect is that appealing. <laughs> Well, they would almost be impervious. Like I, I, I feel like the imperfections are where the connections can get made. Like if you're smooth as steel, I can't bond with you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to have a mentor who doesn't talk about all of my mentors, all of my coaches who I see as, you know, people I look up to as leaders, they're all pretty open and honest about what yeah. they're working on Yeah. so that I can identify and say, oh, okay, you know, well, if she's still working on this, she's overcome it. That means it's okay that I'm still working on it. I can overcome it too as opposed to an approach of like, oh, there's nothing left to overcome, you know, never admitting that anything has been wrong or that I've ever made a mistake. <laughs> it doesn't give people an opportunity to learn from you. And, 
But I do think that on the macro level, that's most of the leadership culture that we see are people who don't admit mistakes. And I don't think as a society, we give people a lot of space on the macro level, you know, world mm-hmm. leaders. Yeah. If you make a mistake, you're really, it's like the, the media is very unforgiving, right? And yeah. so we, what do we learn from that as women? Because I think they're especially unforgiving to women. We don't yeah. live in a society that's very kind to women. So then it also kind of plays into this, like, I'm not ready. I'm afraid to make a mistake. Our, our tendency towards perfectionism, which holds us back from really putting ourselves out there to the fullest extent, which is what we really want to be able to do to be in full service. You know, I'm all about being in full service and we can't do that unless we've stepped forward as leaders. Right. Totally. So, so if we come back to the, the corporate trainer I had that told me about pumps and a pencil skirt, oh, yeah. if you, if you multiple <laughs> six figure business in stretchy pants, love, you can do it. Um, <laughs> so uh, um, I know we talked about, we sort of come up with these seven qualities of feminine leadership. And I really feel like this is going to be a bomb for anybody who's listening and feeling like, I know I'm holding myself back and I, yes, Nicole and Amy, you're making good points, but I don't want to have to man up Mm -hmm. in order to put myself forward. Yeah. Um, And so good news, you don't have to. And like I said, (laughs) we're not talking about gender here. These are qualities that everybody gets to have more of uh, uh, in, in choosing to take on more of that leadership energy. And like we've said throughout the series, this doesn't necessarily mean that you run an you know, a franchise of yoga studios with hundreds of teachers. You can be a leader in with your family, where you are. Uh, you can simply take on a leadership energy if you're a solo person. Like there's a, you know, if you're going to take control of your life and give yourself forward momentum, that takes leadership qualities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we talked a lot about the different ways leadership shows up in our lives in the first episode and unexpected ways and what it really means to be a leader. And I think a lot of us, this is the, this is one of the first step towards leadership, you know, just saying, yes, I want to be a leader and claiming that even if it's not like you're leading this huge corporate team or you're, you have one, you know, even if you're hiring subcontractors or, you know, you're managing virtual assistants, it's still a leadership role, right? If you're the leader mm. of your business. So I do think there's a tendency for women not to want to claim that title of leader or entrepreneur. A lot of times, a lot of people have started their own business. I don't hear them say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm just a, I'm just a yoga teacher. It's like, yes. well, not just a yoga teacher. You're a yoga teacher who's running a business and going out there and making sales and setting up channels and set, yeah. you know, setting up infrastructure. You're not just, a, you know, we tend to downplay it. So I'm all about no more downplaying. Not that we have to man up, but let's, let's um, from, you know, this feminine leadership perspective, these qualities that you're going to share with us, let's just be confident in, in at least claiming the title leader, you know, let's start yeah. there. And then yeah. let's talk about what that means and how do we do that in a, feminine way that doesn't make you know make us into something we're not or that we don't want to be or that we don't find attractive yes love totally agree and you know we have to just reiterate that if you're teaching a class if you're teaching a yoga class you're leading the class like (laughs) there you go (laughs) okay so the first one is empathy and i love this one because it just takes all of the steam out of conflict don't you think empathy Mm -hmm. yeah Empathy is 
very powerful and something that women are generally, I think, Better, pretty yeah. good at relative yeah. to counterparts you know just being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand what they're going through so empathy folks if you're keeping a list number one is empathy number two is vulnerability and this comes back to what you were saying or we were sharing about about um having leaders that speak their truth having leaders that are trying to show that they're impermeable in their perfection like being vulnerable and, and who they really are Right. I love vulnerability. I think it's so important for the personal healing process and so important for the collective healing process and so important as leaders to be vulnerable, to give people the chance to identify. You know, I think it makes you a stronger leader, not, not, a, not less of a leader, which is no. maybe what we ought to believe. Yeah. Things like you know, admitting that you've made a mistake or asking for help or recognizing that you don't know something and you need to figure it out or that you're having a bad day. (laughs) All of these sorts of things are actually really important. Yeah. I always felt a lot of pressure. I don't know if it was because of me or being a woman in the corporate environment, but I was in finance. So obviously Mm. mostly men. And I always felt um, very afraid of admitting if I didn't know something, and, mm. you know, in the corporate environment, like that, that vulnerability was not going to go off well. You know, you're always expected to know the answer. And it was very challenging to say, you know, I don't have that number. Or I don't have that figure or statistic I'll have to get back to you later. It just wasn't part of the corporate culture to say, I don't know, I don't have that. Yes. But now what, what I love about this kind of work is it's okay to say that. It's okay yes. to say, I don't have all the answers. I remember when I was in my 20s back at that time, uh, there was this woman I was working with. She was on one of our advisory boards, sort of representing the traditional owners where we were doing this work. Her name was Gidja and she was sort of, you know, that sort of had that wise woman thing going on and she would often just pause a conversation in the middle and say, and say, I'm sorry, I don't know what the word, whatever it means, could you explain it? And that blew my mind to watch this woman do that. I just thought, that's incredible. And, and it, it just, it was so recalibrating for the conversation. It stopped everybody with their, I'm going to outsmart you stuff and just brought everyone back to let's have a collective conversation and make sure that we're all going going at the same pace here we're all understanding each other but i've never seen someone do that before powerful wow that's amazing yeah yeah and sometimes i wondered if she actually knew the word or if it was actually a technique Mm. from from a from the from that vulnerability quality of feminine leadership if she was doing it just to pause and bring everybody back together That would be a great technique. (laughs) Really? Yeah. All right. So empathy, vulnerability. The next one is humility. How do you you think humility shows up for us to make us better leaders, Nicole? Oh, boy. Humility is what my teacher always says is the highest spiritual virtue, (laughs) which definitely means it's the hardest Hardest. (laughs) hardest to get to. You know, it's like you have all the other virtues and then you have humility. Um, humility, I mean, you know, it's not a word that I think people generally love, humble, and I don't think it's something that is on a more global level, something we're 
encouraged to develop. I think in the spiritual realm, we yeah. are encouraged yes. to develop yes. humility a lot, but I don't hear, you know, in, in politics or science or, you know, in the news, people aren't lauded for their humility, right? So this one takes courage, I think, you know, to um, just kind of, I think of it as being right-sized. Have you ever heard that saying, like keeping, keeping yourself right-sized, not bigger than, not less than, just kind of right in there with, with all of them, you know, not, not at the top, not, and also not at the bottom. I think one, one area is, you know, you could be at the top of the heap and think that you're the best and that's not humble, but it's also not humble or humility to think of yourself as the worst. You know, that's not right sized either. That's kind of a reverse ego play. That's another trick the ego plays. And I'm always surprised by how much I think the ego tries to make us feel bad about ourselves as opposed mm-hmm. to making us feel like we're the best, especially mm-hmm. as women. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, we think of the ego as, I don't know, I, I used to think of it as like, oh, it's something that puffs you up and makes you think that you're the best. But the more I work in this work as a coach and interact with so many hundreds and thousands of women, I think the ego is really getting us by making us think we're the worst and and constantly criticizing us. And that's not humble either. You know, humility is really just like being in there with, with all, with the best of them and the worst of them and all of them, you know, (laughs) it's getting rid of that kind of differentiation. That's how I think about it. I like that. And, and not, um, I remember, uh, one of the leaders of my tradition back in the day, when that all imploded, the phrase that my teacher used to describe it was he started to believe his own press. You know, when you come become the leader and people start really looking up to you, mm. if you take all of that on, like that's when you've lost humility. If you re- if you've got to remember who you are and that you're the same as everyone else and, and you can be yeah. grateful for the accolades, but you need to be mindful about what's true for you and what's, you know, counter-transference from your from your students. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the other thing my teacher says a lot about humility is it's constant awareness of the divine working through you. you yes, know, that we yes. Not to be, you know, we want to take responsibility and credit. He says it's good to have a little bit of spiritual pride. So pride in that you're trying to do the right thing, pride in that you're trying to live this kind of spiritual life. That's good. Have spiritual pride. There's nothing wrong with that. And at the same time, keep the other kind of polarity of it's always the divine working through me. It's not, it's not, my, it's not me. It's not mine. It's just the more I can be an instrument, the more I can achieve. And we get in our own way so much when we start to think, I did this, I'm responsible. Or the flip side, when we start to think, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do anything. I'm, you know, I'm not capable. So. Almighty. I love that. It slices through it straight away, doesn't it? It brings you right back to it. The divine yeah. flowing through me. Love it. Okay, so we've got empathy, vulnerability, humility. Love this one. Inclusiveness. This is the feminine principle, like 101, bringing it all together, co-creating, community. Yeah. Yeah, relationships. Yes. Everyone yeah. Everyone part of it, right? Yeah. 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 That's something I see women um, in, uh, put a lot of importance on, like in my coaching and also in my previous work as a consultant. Whenever I was on a female-led engagement, the woman seemed to take a lot of time and care to 
solicit feedback from everyone. You know, what do you think about this? Even people who were in roles that didn't seem to be particularly important roles, they would still get their opinion, still get their buy-in, still make them feel a part of the team. I mean, that's really amazing, right? Yeah. And I think here, you know, if we come back to the idea of being a leader and like you've been talking about some of those old paradigms of leadership, whereas I'm the one out in front or I'm the one on the pedestal. Um, and so I make, ex- I make decisions at the expense of the whole here. We're remembering that as a leader, you can make decisions in consideration and, in, and um, discussion with the whole. Like you bring people together as being the ultimate decision maker. Yeah, that's a, that's a big shift. Massive. And, and good news, it's all of these so far, I mean, they just tie in with, I can't imagine there's anybody listening who doesn't aspire to these sorts of attributes as a practitioner, as a yogi. Like they're, they're, they marry up really beautifully. Yeah, I mean, they're just, a, it's just a list of spiritual virtues, is what it right? sounds like. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's also kind of, these are the qualities or principles of feminine leadership. So the next one is generosity. And I'm curious to know what you, how you think that one would show up in leadership. Hmm, that's a really good question. Generosity. Generosity to me, when I think about the female leaders that I've had, they have been quite generous in terms of time, you know, always making time, mentorship. Um, Sometimes they were managers, sometimes they were just mentors, but generosity of time is a huge one. Mm. You know, that, that's a big piece of generosity. Um, Generosity in terms of training and coaching, you know, Mm. I think sharing their knowledge. I've yep. had that experience from people, you know, sharing knowledge, yes. sharing what's worked for them so that I can learn from it. Those those are ways of being very generous in ways that, are, you know, generosity in, in non-monetary ways, right? Yes. Because as a leader, I don't think it's so much about the monetary component. I think for me, it's about giving the benefit of the doubt too. Mm-hmm. So I think about the people in my team and if they – F something up, um, you know, having that pause to recognize that, okay, we didn't get the outcome that we wanted. I wonder, you know, I wonder what was going on for them or maybe I need to check in. Did you be having a bad day or was there something that I missed in my instruction or how could I be clearer for you next time? But mm-hmm. rather than um, coming at those sorts of essentially you know, conflict and disciplinary management conversations, but coming at those with generosity, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you were doing your best. And let's talk about how we can resolve this and how we can together do better next time. I really like that. I hadn't thought about that. Mm. And I I think for me, that's one of the things that one of my growth areas in being a, a feminine leader is um, because still sometimes when things, when I wake up in the morning and I've got this like, holy fuck email that something's gone catastrophically wrong overnight, <laughs> I'm still working on my instant gut reaction is, oh no, this is bad. I'm still, mm-hmm. and so and I'm turning it around faster, but right. it still hits me as the, like, this is a fail. This is a, this, this somehow this makes me wrong and bad rather mm-hmm. than, huh, okay, let's fix it together. 
So I think just the benefit of the doubt um, is how I'm repatterning that stuff for myself as a leader. Hmm. Yeah, that's something good to kind of keep as a reminder card or something that it's like everyone is doing the best they can, you know, being generous with that assumption. And yeah. it's so easy to forget when we're in a crisis or we're in fear or we get that email that things are falling apart and the first reaction is, you know, off with their heads. <laughs> kind of, of, that's a reactionary, maybe knee-jerk reaction, but keeping that in mind, what you're talking about as a form of generosity, taking a pause and saying, okay, everyone's doing the best everyone is doing and did the best they can. So how can this be fixed as opposed to? Yeah. Who's wrong? How can I make? Yeah. Uh, what do we got to five? Number six. Oh, balance. Mm. I have an interesting relationship with this word because, because I really take a stand for abundance. And in a sense, the term balance presumes that if you have more of one thing, you must have less of another. Mm. But I, but I think coming at this more, um, less about scales because I'm not into that like up one side goes up one side goes down I'm like I'm interested in both sides going up (laughs) but I suppose here in leadership it means um well for me it's getting out of what I learnt, particularly from my dad uh who imparted this with love Hmm. and good intention but that working very hard working long hours working very hard at the detriment of your every other part of your life made you a good leader. Interesting. And so reclaiming, like I say to my clients, actually taking a salty bath is part of your business development. (laughs) You know, reading stuff for pleasure is part of what keeps you inspired as a yoga teacher. That sort of a sense of balance, that it's not as clearly delineated as this is work, this is leadership, this is off time, or this is social life, or this is private and but that it gets to sort of maybe it's about blending Mm. yeah I like that that blending that we talked about integration I think how could our spiritual practice and our leadership practice and who we are be different you know we can only be as good of leaders as we are as good of people right I mean yes they're all integrated so if we're totally depleted and not taking care of ourselves and not eating, not taking salty baths when we need them to be stressed. Um, and we're in that reactionary mode and we're, you know, I mean, I can't do anything very well when I'm in that place of exhaustion. So Mm. yeah, that's that, that concept concept of balance for me is, I don't know. I have never really been able to wrap my head around it because like you said, it assumes polarities, one's up, others down. And for me, it's like, I just can't, I can't see my life that way. I think that's why I had to become a self-employed entrepreneur because I needed more integration. I couldn't separate. And so Mm. I, I personally chose a profession where my spiritual practice would be required. I always feel like I, you know, I tricked myself into this. <laughs> how can I, how can I teach yoga if I'm not practicing yoga, right? How can I teach spirituality if I'm not practicing it? How, you know, so yeah. how can I teach leadership if I'm not practicing it? All of these things that we're trying to do. And that's, I mean, that's the best reminder. How can you teach self-care if you're not caring for yourself? So yeah. you can always reframe it that way. I think 
women, you know, we do have more opportunities for that. We do take it, we place more value on that kind of integration, that um, blending. I like the word blending that you used. Mm. Oh, so good. All right, last one. Last one. Last one is patience. And this one I think is more about, I mean, patience in the moment, but more about also sort of like being there for the long haul, taking custodianship mm. of a team looking to create longer bonds and connections. Um, in fact, you know, and I think thinking back to the, my first ever real uh, female mentor, I think she still has one of my houseplants. And I'm talking like she's had it for like 16 years that I asked her to mine for a couple of weeks. Like that's, wow. <laughs> she's still, you know, she'll still have it if I go over to her house to pick it up. <laughs> but there's something about like longer term and, which implies sort of depth of relationship, patience, waiting and being with people while they may make a slower transformation. That's a really nice way of thinking about it. Yeah. Patience, patience with others, patience with ourselves. Patience yes, yes, yes. I think patience with ourselves as practitioners and as leaders is also really important, right? Like yeah. we're, we're practicing, we're practicing as practitioners, we're practicing as teachers, we're practicing as leaders. So also being patient with ourselves when we make a mistake and using all those other great qualities we've talked about today to, um, to not spiral out of a leadership role, but instead use our mistakes as, as uh, teaching moments for ourselves and for others and being patient with that process. So another big one I think for me when I think about patience. So if we come back to, I'm going to go through them all again, folks, but I guess just in summary here, um, you know, if, if you're interested in, if, if you're interested in pursuing leadership in a more feminine way, if you're interested in accepting yourself as a leader and, and honing those skills and putting yourself forward, the good news is that these are the attributes that were actually talking about and like we've been saying they align so beautifully to probably what you're working on already so the developing skill as a leader gets to be a a deep dive into these seven attributes so they are empathy vulnerability humility inclusiveness generosity balance and patience and before we finish up we uh, just quickly we'll remind you that like i said if you i mean if you're interested in doing this this leadership work and these types of attributes call to you and maybe help you consider leadership in a different way and, 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 and coming at it from a different approach. Come to paradise with Nicole and I. <laughs> Come to paradise. <laughs> we'll meet Make you there. Commitment. Yeah. Commitment leadership. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> if you haven't caught the very exciting news, Nicole and I are co-teaching a retreat at the Shivananda Ashram in the Bahamas, 30th of May to the 5th of June. We'll be there teaching you all this gorgeous stuff. And you'll also be doing meditation, satsang, yoga, eating amazing food, connecting with people, uh, lying in hammocks if the photos are anything to go by. You know about that. Are they real, those hammocks? Yeah, they are real. And they are not always occupied. You can get <laughs> You can get a space in the hammock if you're there at the right time in between <laughs> transitions after breakfast or <laughs> um, lying in havoc, swimming in the beach. The, the ocean there is just beautiful and 
I think making connections, making yeah. connections with other people who are on this journey, who are committed to leadership and who want to step forward in a different way. I think now more than ever, you know, the reason we said we wanted to teach this and we felt like we had to teach it and we have to teach it now is because it's so needed. I mean, we yeah. all know that things are shifting at a rapid pace. And if there was ever a new opportunity to create, if there was ever an opportunity to create a new paradigm for leadership, you know, as as we grow in numbers, all the yoginis out there doing this beautiful work, it's like we really do have this opportunity. So let's not miss it. Yeah, I love that. Folks, check it out. Um, we do have limited places. That's not sales talk. That's the nature of taking yeah, a that's very, <laughs> very real nature of the ashram is that it is limited in space and limited in room availability. That's not yeah. marketing. <laughs> no, but the, so the link is amymcdonald.com.au forward slash leadership. Nicole and I are going to be back tomorrow with episode four or five, all about leadership uh, for yoginis, spiritual leadership. I hope you're enjoying the series. Give us a shout out. Uh, hit us up on Instagram. Let us know. And uh, we'll speak with you all again tomorrow. Thanks, Amy. I hope you enjoyed that fabulous yogi superstar. Want more from me? Subscribe to this podcast or follow me on Insta at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Talk again soon.